Hello and welcome to the Wellspring Tabernacle Podcast. Wellspring Tabernacle is a Bible-based Trinitarian Christian church in Marble, North Carolina. We seek to impact our community through preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and may God bless. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Welcome to Wellspring Tabernacle. We are glad you're here this morning, and we're going to continue in our Christmas series that we're doing for the month of December, and so far we have looked at several different things. We've looked at the God who rewrites stories in Christ's genealogy, looking at Tamar and Ruth and Rahab, and then last week we looked at the God who keeps promises. You know, he promised that there would be, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Um, <clears throat> and looked at, you know, Mary being pregnant with the Son of God. And today, we're going to look at the God who is worthy of praise. If you have your Bibles, turn over to the second chapter of the book of Luke this morning. Um, But when we hear the word praise, the first thing that that comes to our mind is probably not the way the word is defined. Um, and And it's defined in a couple of different ways. The first definition is the expression of approval or admiration of someone or something. The second is the expression of respect and gratitude as an act of worship. Now, we give and use that first definition all the time. When someone does something that we approve of or that we admire, we'll say things like good job or well done. We do all the time with our kids when they do something that they're supposed to do. It's good job, good job, way to go, that sort of thing. Um, But when it comes to the second, I wish I could say that we saw it more. That second definition of respect and gratitude is an act of worship. I wish we saw more of that. And a lot of us, this day, this day and time, you know, a lot of people will worship, but how often does that worship lead into praise? How often does our worship, <clears throat> the expression of reverence and adoration, lead into true praise? You know, we, we, we love God and we revere God and we adore God, but how often does that adoration and that reverence lead into the expression of gratitude? There's, and when we use those two terms, we use worship and praise, you know, as interchangeably, but they're different things. And as Albert Einstein famously said, things that are different are not the same. Um, But in week three of our Christmas series, we're going to take a journey. We're going to take a journey to a field outside of Bethlehem 
where shepherds watched over their flocks by night. And with the help of God this morning, I want to preach on the thought of the God who is worthy of praise. But in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 13, the Bible says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace good will towards men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. <clears throat> and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all, that they, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in their heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to gather to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to praise you. For God, you are worthy of praise. And Lord, we pray this morning that as we go into this preaching time, God, that you would show yourself as the God who is worthy of praise this morning. We thank you, Lord. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But by way of background on this text, all right, I'm sure some of you have wondered why did I skip so much of it, but there's a reason why, okay? By way of background, the angel of the Lord has appeared to the shepherds who are watching their flocks. They've told them the sign to look for, and now in verse 13, the Bible says that, that there was just one angel that came first and announced and announced Christ to the shepherds. But now there's a, a multitude of the heavenly hosts that have joined in with the angel of the Lord and they begin to praise. They begin to express their approval and their gratitude that the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, has finally come into the world. And they express their gratitude by saying glory to God in the highest. The word glory comes from the Greek word doxa. Our English word doxology comes from it. All right. Actually, in hymnals, there is a hymn that is just titled Doxology. And it, and it says, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all you saints below. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In the South, we call what these angels did a praise break. And I've heard it put this way, and I love this thought, that it was an act of divine uprising. One writer even went so far as to say that it was divine rebellion. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords had just came into the world. And since nobody on the earth wasn't saying nothing, the angels broke loose and said, Glory to God in the highest. I would to God this morning that we would all get a little bit of that doxa down in our spirit this morning. Get a little bit of glory and a little bit of praise on the inside of you. Because 
because I'm telling you now, we live in a world that hates and despises Christ. We live in a world that knows a lot about Jesus, but yet does not know him at all. We live in a world where they'll, and, and here we go, we're in this time of year, so we might as well just go ahead and squash this little rumor. All right, you'll see it floating around on various social media sites that Christians shouldn't celebrate Christmas because it has quote unquote pagan origins. And to that I say, show me a source. Show me a historical source about that. A verifiable, peer-reviewed, studied out historical source that Christmas is pagan. Because according to what I'm looking at, and we can debate about times of year, all right, the, f- the fact of the matter is, is I don't care when, what day of the what day Jesus was born on. It does not matter to me whether it was December the 5th or July the 4th. It don't matter to me what day he was born on. The what matters is the fact that he was born. It's, it's not a day that we're observing. All right, we're not observing the day just because it's a day. We're observing what took place on this day. It was the event, not the date on the calendar that made it worthy of being set aside. And that event was that unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's what matters. That was the event that we're celebrating is the birth of a Savior, the birth of one who could take your sins and my sins onto himself and expunge them from our life. That's what is being celebrated. And I want you to think this morning why those angels took such a fit. When Jesus was born, the way we measure time changed. At this moment in Luke chapter 2, the B.C. era... The bef- and and that and this is what's funny to me. All right, is they've changed. They've stepped away from using BC and AD and how they account for dates. They say that BC they go they they now use BCE and CE, saying before Common Era and Common Era. Well, I made just the slightest little bit of an adjustment on that. We can use BCE and CE if you want to, but we're gonna change it. All right, we've got before Christ. Era and Christ's era now. All right, that's what we've got. All right, but the way they do it, the way they done it before, you know, a bunch of eggheads decided to, to change things was BC, meaning before Christ, and AD, meaning Amino Domini, the year of our Lord, is what that means. All right, so this is day one of the first century of Amin of the year of our Lord of AD of Christ's era. This is in which that the way we're now in the twenty first century. All right. Well, how do we reckon that we are in the 21st century? It's by going back to this day right here, the day Christ was born. It changed the way we measure time. But the angels 
just couldn't stand it. They were so filled with the desire to announce to the world that the Savior had come that they broke loose on a hillside in Bethlehem. Think about what a concert that would have been. All right, number one, what you've got happening here is you've got an angelic visitation happening here that has not happened in over 500 years. All right, the last time this happened was in the days of Zechariah the prophet. That was the last time this happened. So, and why was it that they came to a bunch of shepherds, all right? I might be bleeding over into what I'm going to preach on next week here, but let's, let me just tell why they came to a bunch of shepherds, okay? Shepherds grew sheep. They watched over sheep, did they not? What were sheep used for in that day? They would sacrifice lambs. Well, they, and the way that they would prepare these sheep for a sacrifice is that sheep had to be without spot and without blemish. It had to be a perfect lamb. And they would take that lamb when they when when that when it came time for that sacrifice to be had, and they would wrap that lamb in swaddling clothes because that was the cheapest cloth that they could get. All right, and it was it was a prep prepping that lamb to be sacrificed. They would wrap it in swaddling clothes, and then they would put it in a manger where it wouldn't hurt itself, where nothing else couldn't hurt it. So, what was the sign given to these shepherds? You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. He was marked for his death from the moment that he was born. Those shepherds knew and recognized what they were going to see, that they were going to see the Savior who is Christ the Lord, who would sacrifice himself. The Bible says that he's not just the propitiation for our sin, but the propitiation for the world's sin. Friend, when Jesus was born, and these angels broke loose in praise. The sign they gave was that he would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. He would be wrapped in that sacrificial garment. And this praise that these angels broke loose was so contagious that the shepherds arose and they didn't waste any time. They said, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing the Lord has made known to us. They didn't waste time and wonder or not whether or not they should go. They made haste and found exactly what the angels had said they would. And when they found him, they praised him. They left from that manger. They, they left from that scene telling everyone they came in contact with. And when they got back to their fields, the praise kept on going. All right, why does this matter? Why is this important? I'll tell you, all right, this may seem like a redundant point to make, but at this point in history, Jesus was just a baby. He had not yet turned water into wine. He hadn't opened a blinded eye. He hadn't raised the dead. He hadn't healed the withered hand. He hadn't walked on water. He hadn't fed 5,000. He hadn't raised Lazarus from the dead. None of those things. He hadn't cleansed the temple. He hadn't ridden into the, he hadn't rode into Jerusalem with cries of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He hadn't done anything except look around and blink his little eyes and wiggle his fingers 
believers and yet they praised him. Why was that? Why did they praise him? They, they praised him when he hadn't done anything. The angels split the heavens open to have a praise break and the shepherds had the can't help it from the time they saw the angels and they didn't get over it until after they returned to their fields. Why? Why were they? Why did they praise him? Because God is deserving of praise just for being God. Amen. That's right. Amen. It's true. We want to and will praise him when we're blessed, but what about when he doesn't do anything? He's still God and He's still worthy of our praise. So this morning I want to echo the words of the angels and say glory to God in the highest. Whether it's Yahweh in the wilderness or Christ on Calvary, the God we serve is worthy of praise, honor, and glory just because He is who He is. Just because He's God. Amen. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Father. Praise and I know that this I know this morning's sermon's been short, but I want to end with this. It's a quote from the Westminster Catechism. The Westminster Catechism and the Westminster Confession is one of the great historical confessions of the Christian faith. And it says this The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that we are to do everything to the glory of God. What does that mean, to do everything to the glory of God? All right, now remember what I said a few minutes ago about the word doxa, and about uh, that's where we get the word glory from, all right? They, they, we, get this, we get this idea of a praise break from this word, all right, from doxology. But I want to let you know something this morning. We're, we're very, very, we, we want to praise when we come to church. When we gather to worship the Lord, we want to give Him glory and give Him worship. But according to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, doxology shouldn't just happen at church. But our, <coughs> our very existence should be an ongoing doxology, an ongoing praise to God simply because he's worthy of it. And I'm convinced, listen, I'm convinced that you can mow your grass to the glory of God. Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said that he smoked, smoked cigars to the glory of God. All right, that we can glorify God in each and everything that we do. All right, if you're raising, you say, oh, well, how can you do that? All right, well, let me just say this, raising children. I'm raising my children to the glory of God. How am I doing that? By instilling in them the godly principles that were instilled in me and that I find in the word of God. I, I Listen here, I love love my wife to the glory of God. She's whom God has given me in this life to come along as my, as my helpmate, to come alongside me in all things. I pastor this church to the glory of God. I want to shepherd and guide my people in praising and glorifying God. All right, I talk to people through the week that might be downcast and downtrodden to the glory of God to point them back to the one who can help them and who can and who can who they can serve. That's right. 
We can do everything we do to the glory of God. Praise God. I'm going to eat right here in just a little while to the glory of God. I'm going to give my body sustenance so that I can then serve God better and more acutely in the ways that he wants me to serve him. Each and every part of our life, each and everything that we do should be the expression of gratitude towards God as an act of worship. And we want, we think of, we've, we've got it in our heads, we've got it wrong. We've got that, that praise is just something that we can do in church. That giving glory to God is only something we do in church. I'm so, you're going to, you are, let me, mm, God of mercy, thank you, Lord. Amen. You are going to glorify something Monday through Saturday. You are going to give praise to something in your day-to-day -day life. What is that going to be? Are you going to erect an idol that you give glory and honor to throughout your life in whatever it might be, whether it be fishing or deer hunting or watching the race or whatever it might be, you're going to get, you're going to devote your time to something. You're going to devote your attention to something. This morning, it can be, you can do all things in your life to the glory of God. The Bible says that we should do all things to the glory of God. And if it says that we should do all things to the glory of God, then that tells me that we can do right. all things to the glory of God. Whether or not God blesses us is a moot point. We're to glorify and honor Him whether He does something or whether He does not. What did Job say? He said, shall we receive good of the Lord and not evil? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. The same God. The same God who gives is the same God who takes. The same God that we receive good from is also the same God that allows us to receive evil. And He is still God and He is still worthy of praise. He's still worthy of glory. He's still worthy of honor. That's true. That's true. He is the God this morning that is worthy of praise simply by being who He is. Well, who is He? Well, I'm just so glad you asked who He is. All right, the Bible says that He's the beginning and the end. He's Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. He's the chief cornerstone of civilization. He's the, he's the bright and the morning star. He's each and everything that you could imagine in your life. I heard it said one time that He He's God's son and he's the center savior. That he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest idea in philosophy. He is the true and only God. And it is him this morning that we worship and that we praise. And I once again echo the words of the angels and say glory to God in the highest. Because he's worthy of it this morning. He's worthy of the glory. He's worthy of the honor. He's worthy of the praise just 
because he is who he is. Who is man that you're mindful of him this morning? He's God. He doesn't have to pay us any attention, but he lets us know that we are created in his image and that our chief end is to glorify him and to honor him and to praise him. And you know, we listen to that song during our worship on the banks of the promised land that says one day we're going to go from grace to glory. And I want to let you know what, what's going to happen is that when Christ splits the eastern sky and comes to claim his own friend, the grace that brought the, the grace that brought us and the grace that bought us is going to be the same grace that takes us home. And then we're going to spend eternity praising and glorifying God in each and everything that we do unencumbered by sin. He is worthy of glory this morning. He is worthy of praise just because He is who He said He is. Just for being who He has revealed Himself to be. And we, as bearers of the image of God, as being created in His image, should seek to do nothing except glorify Him for all that He does and all that He is, because He is worthy of praise. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wellspring Tabernacle Podcast. If you feel led to do so, please give us a review on the platform of your choice. And if you would like to reach out to us further, please email us at wellspringtabernaclenc at gmail.com. Until next week, may God bless you.